Hello everyone, welcome back to a mini episode of Sounds Japanese Canadian to Me. I'm your host, Kunji Ikeda, and these are some snippets from the interview I, I did with Maiko Yamamoto that didn't make it into the first episode. Uh, but these ideas, I feel, are so delightful and charming that, that I couldn't stand to just have them laying around without getting shared. Once again, I do need to apologize for the audio compression that happened when recording this episode. So while Maiko's ideas and thoughts are quite clear, her voice isn't. And so I do apologize for, for the shift. So I hope you enjoyed this mini episode and thanks for tuning in to Sounds Japanese Canadian to Me, stories from the stage. My name is Michael Yamamoto, and these are my stories from the stage. If you could, what would be a piece of advice you'd give to the young Michael who was tiptoeing through the house with all the people laying on the floor to, to find her breakfast? Uh, the one who was watching all these unique stories and dramas playing out. What's one thing you'd say to her that, that she would value hearing from you? Um, I think it would be to say you have time um, both to make mistakes and to, to have successes in what you're doing and to try again at things, you know. I, I think I felt back then that I really only had one shot at everything. Mm. So it, it was either that I would pressurize myself to get something right or um, when, I, when I would fail, it would be so hard to get over the failure. You know, so I think it's just to say you have time to try things and sometimes you'll fail and sometimes you'll succeed. So just like chill out ten year old Michael, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a good lesson to learn for sure. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Now let's fast forward a little bit. And what would this Michael be able to offer um, the Maiko stepping out of, out of your training program as a young artist, probably right like before creating, working with uh, James on theater replacement. What, what would be a piece of advice that that version of self would value? Hmm. It might be like around the similar, might be the we same thing. Know. <laughs> Chill out. Um, no. <laughs> No, I think it would probably be um, trust, trust yourself a bit more. I think at that time, um, I had a lot of, like, I questioned everything that I was kind of doing um, in a way. And so sometimes in that questioning, it can feel like you don't have a, a set opinion that you're and that I'm relenting always so like or it could be this or maybe it's this or that's okay that it's like this um and so I think it would be like trust trusting yourself and what you know and what you think a little bit more and move more directly towards that idea you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay now let's play a little bit here what okay. pieces of advice do you think <laughs> The, the, the Maiko who has just tiptoed through her house or the young mm -hmm. artist might give this version of Maiko? Like my current, present version yes, of Maiko? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. The 10-year-old would say, 
don't afraid don't be afraid to be who you are you know don't be afraid to be fully who you are and to live inside of that person and make your choices from that place you know wow your 10 year old Maybe. self was so wise <laughs> My 10-year-old self saw a lot of things in the, in the dramatic household. I feel like but, my 10-year-old yeah. self was just in left field. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wow. think that's what she would say. That's great. How about, how about your, your young artist self? Maybe the young artist stuff would, would say to me, you know, you should really like work harder on nailing down talking about what it is that you do. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it would be helpful for you to be able to say when people ask you, like when, when Kunji asks you what it is that you do, that you could just sort of have a really nice tight, you know, paragraph mm. of text. Mm. Uh, maybe they might say that because they might be a little bit judgmental of me. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Now looking at where you are now, I, I'd mm -hmm. like to ask you, you've done so many beautiful, varied, impactful projects. Is there any project that feels still a bit like a mountain? Is there anything, what's, what's your artistic challenge for yourself? <laughs> I don't have one of those lists of like a burning desire of the, like I want to do a remake of St. Joan or something. I don't have this <laughs> kind of thing. You know what I think it is, is I've, I've wanted for a while now to create a kind of platform for um, artists who are working in the same kind of space that I do, like so artists who, who really are making experimental work, uh, intercultural work, to be able to talk about that in a concerted way. Because I myself have wanted to articulate like why I work in experimental theater. Um, why I work in experimental theater, it's a complex equation of things that come together. So I've kind of wanted to like t have conversations about that because I've struggled myself to articulate it in a really um, direct and fulsome way. Mm. Um, but it comes out like in this conversation that we're having today or in other things that I'm working on. Um, and so that's, that's a creative project that I've, I really wanted to take on. And maybe one day I'll have some time to do that. <laughs> okay, well now, I mean, my next question everyone has on their minds why do you work in experimental theater? Oh, did you not just hear what I just, no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, let me try here. Yeah. Let me try here. I work in experimental theater. Um, and, you know, what does that mean, experimental theater? All these words that sort of get um, placed on, uh, on, um, now, Michael, they were, your, they, they were your words. What? I know, I know. You don't need to See, qualify them. Do. Why do you well, work I'm, in I'm... experimental theater? <laughs> <laughs> um, I work in experimental theater because it allows open space for to break away from dominant or um, traditional slash conventional uh, ways of working. Because in in experimental theater, you're you look at your studio as a laboratory, and it's really about trying to create new things inside of it. It's new terrain, it's a new landscape. And so I move towards that because, because there's more openness for different perspectives and different ways of being inside of that. And for me, you know, particularly as an artist of color, that's super important because 
we're always trying to carve out more space for the stories, for these stories. And, and I think that's what's always been exciting to me is about um, being able to tell the, the stories that I want to tell in the ways that I want to tell them and not in, in ways that are borrowed uh, from other places. Why is it important to carve out space for these stories that break away from what has been? Because for a large part of like, say, Canadian theater history, it's really been about a, a Eurocentric modes, Western ways of working, Western stories. Uh, and I think it's not just about culture, too. It's about life experience. It's about all the kinds of different pockets of existence and being able to tell them how you want to tell them. I do think experimental processes also help to decolonize artistic practice because you're, you know, the way we work at theater placement, we don't, we don't have, um, we don't sit at a table where everybody else is, you know, is kind of sitting in chairs. We, we're, it's really much an open room. As I said, the ladder tries to be on the floor as much as possible. And I think a lot of those processes colonial processes are about like a hierarchy and we try to really break that down I think experimental work um, does that by nature because you're in new territory so you can't rely on these old modes of being you kind of have to make new ones and what do we stand to gain with experimental theater with carving out these new spaces from moving oh, away from what has been a world that is <laughs> more no. the world we want to move to. Or like, I don't know. We, we gain the constellation as opposed to the sun. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a rich, rich place to be in where everybody's um, experiences are valued and it allows for more um, for them to exist in the same place because that's how it should be. The same Lovely. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. That was that was, that was hard. That last part was really tough. Can you really? I never said this was going to be easy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just thought, I just assumed when I when I started this Zoom call and I looked at you that it was just going to be a rosy garden. <laughs> we would just we just have tea and chat like old friends. But now is this is, is that good. the vibe I give off? <laughs> it's a lovely vibe it's like I just but it's great I think I think these are the questions okay. that we really need to be thinking right now and mm. I'm really glad to be talking to you about them and to be pushed to answer them because I think I think there's calls for uh, action in so many different ways you know and, and I think by talking mm. um, hopefully we're working through some of this stuff we're facing it you know absolutely I hope so I think so yeah I, think I mean so too. I, and, and it's it's an honor to hear from you and, and to have this conversation, to share space, to feel like we're part of a, a community, not only in the um, the outskirts of theater kind of feel, um, but also in the Japanese-Canadian context. For sure. Uh, so I value that very much. Um, before, before we sign off, um, <laughs> let us now cast our imagination forward. Consider a future version of Maiko who has... I mean, it's hard to say retired because I don't know that we ever really retire in, in the right. theater world. I see so many like beautiful senior artists who are still ready to give advice, ready to sit in, ready to offer their, their perspectives, but perhaps are, are no longer at the, at the forefront of, of the energetic shift and the energetic changes. Mm -hmm. So if you can cast yourself forward to a place of 
semi-retired. You get to choose what projects you work on. Everybody wants to work with you. Uh, what, what piece of advice would this Maiko offer to that Maiko? Oh, my goodness. That's a toughie, too. Um, we don't like to think of ourselves as old. <laughs> but I we guess. meaning who? We meaning me. <laughs> <laughs> me and my sister um ah. no um but yeah no i think it's a great question okay so i'm gonna do this exercise now i'm gonna think what would i say <laughs> i it would be like find the thing that anchors you you know mm. especially right now find the thing that feels like it grounds you and then move towards that thing and really really tend to it and take care of it and I think this Michael would say to the older Michael, who's hopefully wearing fantastic flowy gowns oh, and yeah. has a silver head, head mm. of hair mm -hmm. um, and wears like beautiful glasses around a chain around her neck, would say, don't fade away. Like, don't um, try to stay engaged in the conversations that you were so interested in before artists who have grown through their careers and their artistic practices, there's so much value to what they could offer the younger generation. And so I would say, try to be as, try to be present in whatever way that that means, like mm. answer the phone, answer the emails or whatever technology that exists then, <laughs> answer the, the mind Bible, whatever happens, <laughs> and, and be around, for, like try to stay engaged inside of it. Mm. Um, because mm. I think, you know, you, as you said, you you never really retire. When you're an artist, you live your art life, and then even even when you're old and you want to rest a little bit more <laughs> and just eat bowls of ramen, that you um <laughs> you you still have something to contribute. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I would say that. I guess I would say that, and I hope that that would be true. That's beautiful. I hope that I hope that she'll be around, <laughs> and she'll wanna and she'll wanna be in conversations. Other than ramen, what's anchoring you right now? What are your anchors? Just ramen. No, just um, <laughs> probably this kind of, you know, being at home so much and like working from this point and being so immersed in the family sort of bubble. I think a lot of people have recognized maybe they were moving towards a super burnout, you know, like we were just kind of pushing and pushing and pushing and then everything, the world kind of stopped. And everything sort of lowered a bit to a sort of level that was closer to the earth. And things happened because of that. And I recognized that it's important to do a lot of things during the day. It's important to get all those things that you want to do. But it's not super important that they're only, that they're always about working. But I, I felt like the things that have grounded me are, I go for a daily walk every day with my twin sister, Saudi which has been an absolute tonic. And we, we basically unpack everything that's happening in our lives. And we walk around our neighborhood and we say hi to the people that we see and we um, ground ourselves that way. That's really important. Um, and I've had more conversations with, with people, different artists, colleagues, friends, um, artists that I've been interested in connecting with than ever right now. I think that's kind of the busyness that's sort of happened. And that's been super inspiring and um, been very grounding. 
So those are the kinds of anchors. It's been family and um, balance in terms of work and life. And also like just talking, just talking mm-hmm. to people and learning and uh, talking through ideas. It's, it's, and ramen. And ramen, and ramen <laughs> of course, of course. It goes without saying. I'm going to order ramen tonight. <laughs> going to order oh, ramen tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Micah, thank you so much for your stories from the stage. Thank you for your <laughs> thoughts, thinking through these things with me. It, it really has been a pleasure and a delight and, and such a treat. And I'm sorry it wasn't as, as easy as, as I made it seem. It, it, was so, it, was, it was a pleasure also, and it was good that you didn't make it easy. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's good to feel, it made my brain work in, in a good way today. So thank you for that. Michael, that sounds that sounds great, and it also sounds Japanese Canadian to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. There you have it. A, a few thoughts that, again, I couldn't just leave behind. I hope you enjoyed this mini episode of Stories from the Stage. Now, if you're enjoying the series, we would love if you could rate and subscribe through your favorite podcast listening devices or or share with a friend who may enjoy an episode or two. Once again, my name is Kunji, and it is an honor to co-present these thoughts with the Nikkei National Museum and Cultural Center. For more information, feel free to check out some of the links in the podcast description. (laughs) 